Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by... It's just me. Hi, everybody. It's just me. It's going to be an intimate Light Trees and News because it's very early. And I have once again forgotten to book a co-host. Um... I briefly entertained Meredith is in town, forcing her to co-host with me. And I was like, that's just mean. She's on vacay. Host it your dang self. So here I am. I have a bunch of stuff I need to talk about with you all. First and foremost being, I had tweeted this the other day, but Desi is, and I don't feel hyperbolic saying this, a real son of a bitch. If you're new to the show, hello, welcome. I have a little cat. His name is Desmond. He's fine most of the time, but he's on some new medication. And I was bragging to the vet. They said, do you think you're going to have a hard time getting him to take his pills? And I said, what? Uh, no, Desmond's very dumb. He just gobbles up whatever I give him. And then lo and behold, I get home, I try to get him to take the pills, I hide them in his little treats, and he nibbles around the pills, eating his treats, and then spits the pill out at me with the most contempt on his face that I've ever seen. So out of nowhere, Desmond's smart, and he can taste the pills. I try to crush them up in his food, he won't eat his food. So I call the vet. I tell them what's going on, and they're like, have you tried pill pockets? Now, in my head, what I was doing with the soft treats, meaning hiding his pills in the soft treats, was akin to pill pockets. So I was like, I don't know if that's going to work, guys. And they were like, listen, why don't you just try it? Get back to us. Let us know how it goes. I go, fine. Um, I have a lot of attitude at this point. I order the pill pockets. They come. I try them boom. They're, they're a miracle. He eats them up, doesn't even taste his pills. So I highly recommend pill pockets if you've never used them. I know everybody knows about pill pockets, but I thought what I was doing was like a makeshift pill pocket. Turns out, no. Pill pockets are very special. You know what it is? Because they're so gelatinous, they seal up entirely and hide the pill inside. Hence, pill pocket. Pocket. It's a pocket. Do you see? Do you see? So that I'll, you know what? I'll put that in the recommendation zone. Pill pockets. Highly recommend. So I'm going to keep the recommendation section succinct, brief today because I was trying to think of a third word. <laughs> I could not. It's very early. Did I mention that? So I'm going to keep it moving, if you will in the pop culture section because I want to get to some of your messages. I feel like I always procrastinate that. I never get to the Patreon messages. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month over there. You can be a supporter of mine and you get to skip the line, if you will, if you want to send any recommendations, comments, questions, which by the way, Keep your recommendations coming because they've been golden. And I really enjoy hearing what you guys are watching right now, what you're into. Oh, I just remembered another thing I have to recommend. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, I wrote it down so I won't forget. 
I watched it literally last night. I binge watched six episodes. And uh, so, you know, it was good. So that's why I'm recommending it. But before we get to that, I have a horror movie recommendation for those of you who have Shutter accounts who are looking for stuff to watch during the spooky season. Psycho Gorman on Shudder is a hilarious film. I don't want to give too much away. The protagonists are a little brother and a, a little sister. And it has something, something, something to do with space invasion. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> but it's so funny. I love the little girl character. She's out of her damn mind. She is an insane person, and I'm using that in the clinical sense. And she's just a little troublemaker, and I love her. She's so funny. So I highly recommend Psycho Gorman. And also, speaking of binge-watching stuff, I binge-watched in its entirety. And you know what? While I'm here, I'm going to shout out Jay. Jay, who's one of my Patreon supporters, sent this as their recommendation They wrote, if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend Reservation Dogs. This is about a group of teenagers who live on a reservation in pretty much abject poverty, I would say. And it is produced by Taika Waititi, so it is, you know it's going to be hilarious, and it is, but it's also really moving. Uh, The character development is stellar. There are very, very serious themes throughout, uh, but it is always delivered with this sense of levity. It never feels too heavy, um, except when it does, and then it feels earned. You know, like there, there are a few moments where I cried watching it, but it was in a way that didn't feel like manipulative. Anytime we arrived at a place where suddenly I'm crying, I felt like, you know what? This is earned. So... Highly recommend Reservation Dogs if you have not checked it out yet. And finally, Owen oh, Jay, thank you for sending in that recommendation. It was so good, I binge watched the whole thing. <laughs> so see, your recommendations really do affect me in my real everyday life. So thank you. And then finally, the other show that I binge watched in its entirety, six episodes last night, The Night Manager. Remember The Night Manager, everyone? The show that everyone watched? A couple years ago, I just watched it last night. I watched six episodes of it. That's good shit. You got your Tom Hiddleston. You got your Hugh Laurie. You got your Olivia Coleman. What the fuck else do you want? What is up with you people? They give you gold and you're like, yawn. But come on, it's John LeCar, so it's it's spies and intrigue and sex and exotic locations, exotic, quote unquote, you know, to Americans and English people, I guess. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was wildly entertaining. So highly recommend that as well. So let's get to the Patreon comments, shall we? Before I burn too much time yet again, and then I have a panic attack and you're like, Allison, it truly doesn't matter. Time is meaningless. We all die. Um, None of this matters. And I'm like, but I didn't get to my Patreon comments. So Marrow writes in, you read a rec from Brian the other day that referenced Channel Awesome. And if anyone else has a morbid interest in hearing about people doing an absolute garbage job at stuff, I have a related rec. Ugh, Marrow. 
you understand who is listening to this podcast. You understand me. I thank you. Yes, we would like this recommendation very much. Um, Dan Olson, Folding Ideas on YouTube, did a review of a review that those same folks made of Pink Floyd's The Wall, which was an inexplicable song-by-song Weird Al-style recreation that also fundamentally does not understand the source material (laughs) and is every bit as terrible as it sounds. Dan's review is both very polite and positively scathing, which makes it a delightful watch, in my opinion. It's called The Nostalgia Critic and The Wall. For something on the other end of the spectrum, he also did a a video putting both Flat Earth and QAnon into context and diving into the appeal of movements like them called In Search of a Flat Earth. It's super interesting and includes some deeply moving shots of a beautiful lake as part of proof that, yes, the world is, in fact, round and complicated. Thanks for all the work you put into the show. Mero, thank you for the excellent recommendation. That sounds great. Again, Dan Olson. Okay. All right, Dan. Dismantling flat earth and QAnon conspiracy theories. I see you, and I thank you for your service. I really do truly admire anybody who can wade into right-wing conspiracy land, although I know it's not just right-wingers who believe this stuff, but I really admire people who have the time and the patience and, um, (laughs) you know, the logic and the mental discipline to put together videos like that, that maybe you never know might convince someone that, yes, the earth is round, because that's where we're at right now, everybody. We can't get on the same page about if the earth is round. So, of course, we have problems like QAnon that um, are also, you know, thrown into the mix because um, no one believes in objective truth anymore. So here we are. So um, speaking of Brian, Brian did also write in um, a couple things. I'll see if I have enough time to get to both, Brian. Um, He writes, this is older news that I probably should have shared a few months ago. But big news in my family. Oh, okay. So I also sometimes ask for like general life updates (laughs) from you all if something like major has happened or you're excited about something because I don't know. It's good to check in with people, right? So Brian has big news in his family. My step-parent Robin has been made a creative director at the tabletop role-playing game company Discami Publishing. Sorry if I mispronounced that. This includes guiding the direction of the upcoming second edition of the superhero RPG Silver Silver Age Sentinels. This is their dream job. And just to put a cherry on the Sunday, they got this job the same month they finally fully came out as non-binary. They had been out to me, my mom and brother, and some close friends for a few years. Huge! Huge. You come out as non-binary and you get your dream job? Amazing. Congratulations. That sounds really impressive. I know I have friends who listen to the show, uh, listeners who listen to the show who are huge RPG fans. So I'm sure that means way more to them than to me, just because I am not familiar with the world of RPG. But it sounds very impressive. So congratulations. Brian also writes, time for another anti-rec. Do we love anti-recs on this show? Yes, we do. I almost love them as much as Rex themselves, themselves, plural. 
this is a safe space. You can always feel free if I recommend something to write in and say, Allison, um, that recommendation you gave, I actually, it's an anti-rec for me and here's why. Or if I anti-rec something, exact opposite to write in and be like, hey, that anti-rec, I actually really enjoyed it and here's why. Safe space. It's okay to like things. It's okay to not like things. Nothing, time is meaningless. We all die. <laughs> Let's see how many times I'm going to say that on this episode. Time is an illusion and you will die. So Brian writes in, this one was a movie I had to watch for the current season of my YouTube show. Okay, Brian, subtle plug. I see you. The movie is called Zombie Shark. Okay, well, it sounds amazing. So you're going to have to convince me that it's not, Brian. Sadly, it's not as as fun as it sounds. Okay, immediately knew I would be swayed by the title and has to talk me down. Now, in all fairness, had the whole movie been shot like a tragedy, it could have ended pretty much the same way, and it wouldn't have bothered me so much. It's really more the massive tonal whiplash that irks me. As for the ending, well, you know how it goes. I'm sure we've all had that sex ed teacher that warned us if we had premarital sex, the result would be that in 10 years, our boyfriend, work friend, and little sister, in that order, would get eaten by sharks. (laughs) that were turned into zombies due to illegal medical experiments by the U.S. military. It is a tale as old as time. Brian, we all had that sex talk in public high schools. That old chestnut. I think it says a lot that Zombie Shark is probably going to get the title of worst movie of the season when its competition includes a movie that stars two MAGA chuds, Christy... Uh, great value Buffy Swanson and Robert Demon Sheep ad guy Davey. The best movie? Probably going to be Ghost Shark. Oh, hey, there's a ghost story for you. Thank you, Brian. I'm always looking for a ghost story. Ghost Shark also sounds amazing. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a little industry hack I'm going to share with everyone. If you put shark in the title of a movie, I'll go see it. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a drama, it's a comedy, it's a horror film. If there's a dang shark in it, my butt's in a seat. So ghost shark, sure. Zombie shark, I'm going to tell you something. I still kind of want to see it because I don't really understand what's going on. But I'm intrigued. I'm present and accounted for. And you know what? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. So. Once again, if you have any recommendations, comments, questions, anything of that nature, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Leave them in the comment thread. It's a rolling, breathing, alive document that I, I don't check it. I get an alert when you guys leave messages. So that's how I know when you have a new recommendation. But also, I understand times are tough, and I don't want anyone who can't afford to be a supporter to think that they can't also leave comments, questions, concerns. The best way to reach me is Twitter, but also I do have an email that I very rarely check, News at Gmail. Those are all free ways to contact the show. We're also on Instagram, can contact us there. And yeah, don't ever think like, oh, she's not going to read my message because I'm not a Patreon supporter. I'll be real with you. I read Patreon supporters first because I feel like that is an earned perk of being a supporter. But I'll get to you eventually. And I don't think anybody is writing in with time-sensitive requests to light treason news, a 
bi-monthly podcast. Oh my God, please don't send in time-sensitive material or an emergency. I can't say this enough. Please don't put me down as your emergency contact. You'd put a podcast down as your emergency contact for a medical emergency? What's wrong with you? So yeah, I'll, I'll get to them when I get to them, but I will get to them eventually. So I am just like, sorry, this is a little tangent, but I have so many films I'm going to see in the month of October. I am overwhelmed by it. This is a humble brag, but your girl got invited to a a press screening of a horror film on Monday. Very excited about that. But, you know, there there's a deluge of movies coming out because everything was so delayed because of the pandemic. And now I am just overwhelmed in the best possible way. I'm so excited to be going back to the movies that, you know, there are actually other people going to the movies as well. Nothing's better than watching a, a movie with a bunch of strangers. That's how I feel about it. I'm also spoiled because I live in New York and I love New Yorkers and I love how vocal New Yorkers are while watching films. So I did miss that as well. It's just weird. It's weird to like be going back to that stuff, but in the best possible way. So the reason I'm bringing it up and I just realized in this moment why I brought it up are there any films you're really excited to see in the movie theater? Or do you not feel comfortable going back to the movie theaters yet? Also valid. Hashtag light trees and pod. I want to know. Are you returning to a sense of normalcy? I still wear my mask the whole time. The first time I went back to the movies, I believe I saw Zola. That was my first movie back in a movie theater post-pandemic. And I went ham because I went to the Nighthawk Theater here in Brooklyn. They, It's like the Alamo. You know, you can order food, drinks. So I'm like, I'm going to do this right. I haven't been to the movies in like two years. I got food. I got a drink. I had my dang mask off. There was maybe four people in the theater total. So I was like, woo, doing it up. I don't do that anymore because I'm going to more movies now. I keep my mask on the whole time don't eat. I don't drink anything. I just watch the movie with my little mask on and then I leave afterwards as you are supposed to do once the movie's over. So that is the compromise I've struck with myself where I, so I don't feel like I'm being too reckless. I'm like, all right, if we're going to be in a room with a bunch of strangers during a pandemic that is still very much happening, we're going to get to the bad news soon. Don't worry. Um, Let's be relatively safe by, you know, she's double vaccinated, she's masked, trying to be sort of smart about it. So where are you all at? Do you feel comfortable doing that yet? Let me know. Hashtag light trees and pod. On that note, everybody, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I forgot to talk about something in the pop culture section. Okay, listen. I know it's technically the bad news section, but I'm also going to crowbar in a, a light summary of the Emmys because, you know, at this point it's not timely, but I did just want to touch on a few things that happened. Um, you know, obviously Ted Lasso cleaned up. We love to see it. 
uh, the crown, of course, the crown wants a bu- won a bunch, you know, whatever. It's good. But it's also like, of course, the Emmys is rewarding the crown. Um, Mayor of Easttown. Okay, Kate Winslet. Okay, Evan Peters. I see you. It was very nice to see Evan Peters win. He is a fan fave. What what a sweet boy. How do you, you, you got to love Evan Peters, right? What a good egg. And he's been so good for so long. And he makes it seem like Ryan Murphy can write well. So he is a miracle worker, if you ask me. So uh, also, I you know, I can't comment on the award show itself because I didn't watch it. I heard it was a little bit of a hot mess. Um, although people, you know, ha- Cedric the Entertainer, born to host an award show. So I'm not necessarily anti-Cedric the Entertainer. I just heard that some of the... Um, the comedy bits didn't land, is what I heard. Wild that WandaVision won nothing. Um, so, so happy to see Jean Smart win. Oh my God, she's been so good for so long. I love her. Um, not surprising RuPaul's Drag Race won again. I don't know what to do about that. When a show, like, is so dominant in a category, you can't penalize them for being good. You can't ask Rue and the dolls to sit out an entire season because they're winning too much. Hell no. So it's sort of like, like, I love Nicole Byer. I want Nailed It to win. But nobody's going to win against Rue and the dolls. So I guess everybody just has to suck shit until Rue decides <laughs> that they don't want to do Drag Race anymore. So, and then... I think the happiest I was all night was Michaela Cole finally, finally getting recognized for I May Destroy You and for Best Writing, which, yes, is correct. It probably should have won more awards than that, but definitely, definitely for writing. What an amazing, groundbreaking, powerful, funny unique show I've never seen anything like it and shouldn't those be the shows we're rewarding you know like I want to see more Michaela Cole work but I also want to see more people who are daring and bold like her have a place on television I want to see what they have to say so and again I do highly highly recommend I May Destroy You with a major, major caveat and trigger warning that, of course, it is about sexual assault and rape. And um, that is the premise of the show. Michaela Cole's character is raped. And we revisit that night it happened because she's like, she's been drugged, I believe. So she starts to, she might have just been very drunk. I honestly forget. I saw it a while ago. But in regardless, her her memory is not all there. So what has happened to her starts coming back in bits and pieces, and we see that in flashbacks. So just a trigger warning for that, because I know for some people that's like a a non-starter. It's like, nope, can't watch it. And I respect that. And you shouldn't have to watch anything that triggers you. So yeah, that I think those were all my thoughts about the Emmys, you know, here's the thing. Ted Lasso, yeah, like everybody, for a second, for a second, when I was on Twitter, it seemed like they were going to sweep. 
And here's the problem with the show sweeping. Everybody thinks that they want to see a sweep like that until it's happening. And then everyone's like, oh, no, because there's there's no bigger, surefire way to have a large group of people turn against you than sweeping the Emmys. Even if they like the show, after a while it becomes like, oh, come on. This happened with Schitt's Creek too. And Dan uh, Levy actually joked about it where he was like, once they won like their fifth award, he's like, we got to get out of here. Everybody hates us. And it's like, yeah, kind of. I love the show and I love you guys, but I hate that this is happening. It defeats the purpose of having an award show, which should be awarding a variety of talent and shows. Oh, and speaking of a lack of <laughs> variety, boy, a lot of white people won. What happened, everybody? I here Here is honestly what I think. So the Emmys was sort of advertising the fact that a record number, I think, of, of people of color have been nominated for Emmys, but then lo and behold, a bunch of white people uh, won the Emmys. And everyone was like, hmm, how do we fix this? I honestly, honestly think it comes down to more members, younger members, more diverse members voting on these shows. I don't think there's another way to get around it. You just need a more diverse group of people voting on this stuff. Because whether we're talking about the Academy for the Academy Awards or or the the Emmys, any big institution like that, big awards institution, they're overwhelmingly white, older, and male. And if you want more diverse people to win awards, you have to have more diverse people voting on this stuff because, of course, old white people watch um, The Crown or even, I'm sorry, The Queen's Gambit, which is a great show, but it's so like the Emmys version of Fool the Academy, you know, Fool the Emmys about anything about war, anything about the royal family. Old white people love that shit. And they're going to award it. And that doesn't mean that, say, like, Olivia Coleman doesn't deserve to be uh, um, acknowledged. But also, does it have to be every year? Does it? Does it have to be every year? I don't know. Does it? And really, the only way around that, I think, is more diversity. So I guess that kind of fit into bad news. White people winning a lot of Emmys. Eh? All right. No notes. Nobody send me notes. I'm not going to read them. So let's talk about the hot mess happening on our border right now and horrible, horrible, horrible footage of border patrol agents on horse patrol aggressively confronting, as CNN says in this article, aggressively confronting, quote unquote, um, migrants, largely Haitian migrants who are trying to cross the border. And when they say aggressively confronting, at least in one case, that meant whipping them from horseback, which um, if you know anything about the history of the United States and say our history with slavery is not a great look to have a white, I believe white, a border patrol agent on horseback whipping a, a black Haitian migrant. Bad optics. You know, not that there's a humane way to turn away Im- immigrants in need from the border, but whipping them from horseback, mm, uh, not a great look. So Jen Saki, 
The White House press secretary. Yes, girl boss. Everybody stop it. Be an adult. She goes on, I believe it was CNN, and says something to the effect of, this is not who we are. This, this ugliness at the border. This is not who we are. And the problem with that is, it's exactly who we are. You know, going back to, as I, as I said when making the comparison, our history of slavery. The foundation of this country is genocide, right? If we weren't killing Native Americans, we were killing and brutalizing uh, black slaves. So it irks me whenever anybody says something like, this is not who we are. Or like, you know, when Texas outlaws abortion and the Supreme Court is weighing overturning Roe v. Wade and someone's like, this is not who we are. And it's like, no, actually, this is who we are. (laughs) This is our history of misogyny and racism. It's all here, laid out bare. And maybe that's what you're, you're trying to reckon with. It's that it's so overt, but it's always been there. You know, like, as we like to say during the Obama administration, Obama deported more people than all of his predecessors combined. This is exactly who we are. And it's horrible to see, like, poor Haitian migrants who are fleeing so many things, environmental disasters, political unrest. Do you understand how desperate a person has to be to leave their home country, which they don't want to do? Think about if you suddenly had to leave the United States tomorrow. As much as we bitch about the United States, as much as we don't like aspects of the United States, if you had to leave your country tomorrow with just the clothes on your back and travel thousands of miles with your children, like think about how horrible that is. Nobody wants to do that. If you find yourself in a position where you are suddenly doing that, shit has gone terribly wrong. You either feel like if you hadn't left, you would have died, or if you go back to your country, you'll be killed. Those are the only reasons people do something like that. So now there are like, you know, I don't even know how many Haitian migrants at this point, like how many hundreds, maybe thousands trying to cross the border. And they are that desperate. And to, instead of meeting them in a humane way and being like, we understand you're in need, we're going to work to place you, you know, in like an orderly fashion, they are greeted by a man on horseback whipping them. Holy fucking shit. And then to have the nerve to be like, we're the light on the hill. We're we're the the freedom beacon to the rest of like fuck off. This has always been who we are. And this dude on horseback is just an honest representation of it. Because the reason he feels emboldened to do that or empowered to do that is because he has been told that's the policy. That that is what our government wants. And, you know, he knows he's not going to be punished for it. He's not going to be, or if he is punished for it, it'll be like, you know, moving him to another precinct or district or whatever. I don't know how it works for horse patrol, border patrolmen. But, you know, he felt comfortable enough doing it. He didn't think there would be repercussions because why would he think there would be any? 
he's gone to the meetings. He sees how immigrants are treated, how migrants are treated when they cross the border. He's like, yeah, this is what we do, right, guys? This is what we do. And somebody just pointed a camera at him and suddenly everyone's like, (gasps) in 2021? And it's like, yes, always, always and forever. This is who we are. (laughs) Fucking Jen Psaki, girl boss, goes on Sienna and this is not who we are. Okay, Jen, I don't know what country you live in, honestly. And if you have a problem with these policies, I don't know, maybe go talk to your boss because he's president and he's overseeing this shit. And he used to be vice president for a guy who was also doing this shit. So I don't know, maybe she suddenly has a moral crisis. Great. Go talk to your boss. That's all I can say. So also in bad news, everybody, which do we want to talk about? I guess we have time to talk about both. All right. So. I'm sure you all saw the story about Gabby Petito on the news or on Twitter. It is a very sad story. It's about a young woman who, uh, she's an influencer. She was an influencer on Instagram. She was one of these types where she was living on the road with her boyfriend and like documenting their adventures. Not really unusual for, for her age bracket, Um, these were two white people, a white couple. She was a very pretty young blonde woman. And while they were on this road trip, she went missing and her boyfriend was acting very strange, uh, returned from the road trip, refused to talk about what happened. Uh, when the police tried to contact him, he was like, I'm not commenting. And he lawyered up and everybody was like, uh, oh, where's Gabby? And they searched the area, the state park where she was last seen. Um, And this was in Idaho. And very sadly, they found Gabby's body. So unsurprising, you know, uh, I saw people commenting on the story immediately, like she's, she's dead and her boyfriend killed her. It seemed pretty obvious. That's what happened. Of course, you can't conclusively say anything. Sometimes things look very, very suspicious and bad. And it turns out not to be what everybody thinks. So I think it's good to not rush to conclusions, although right now he looks guilty as hell. So Gabby's dead. It's very sad, right? However, as was reported soon after her body was found, nearly 700 indigenous women have gone missing where Gabby Petito was found and they did not get a fraction of the news coverage that Gabby got when she disappeared. Now, whenever something like that's pointed out, the right loves to run to Twitter and say, see, they don't care about white women. They don't care about Gabby. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's fucking tragic what happened to Gabby Petito. I want her boyfriend to be held accountable. I'm really sad for her. This girl did nothing. She just wanted to take pictures and put them on her Instagram and drive around the country with her boyfriend it's super sad. You know, like I, I can identify with her. I also drove all over the dang country, probably put myself in positions that were as equally risky and dangerous. So like, I feel really, really bad for Gabby Petito. However, I think we can acknowledge what happened to her is tragic while also saying it is unconscionable that 700 indigenous women have gone missing. And it's like, can you name one of them? I can't. To be perfectly honest with you, I can't. Because 
I haven't seen any news coverage about it. And it's so tragic that we're still in this place where, you know, how how criticized, how many times has the media been critiqued for doing exactly this, you know, for for highlighting missing women only if they fit a certain mold, which is like pretty white, blonde, young. They've been criticized for years for doing that. And it's like nothing has changed because here we are again with the pretty young white blonde girl getting all of the coverage when she goes missing and then tragically is found dead. And meanwhile, 700 indigenous women. And it's like, why is that not treated? I mean, we know why, right? Racism. But it's frustrating that so so little has changed. And that critique has been made for so long. You would think if you work in the media, you would at least have a moment where you're like, oh, you know, like that meme, are we the baddies? Are we doing it again? Are we putting on a pedestal a certain type of victim because of racism? And if you catch yourself doing that to be like, not that you can't report on Gabby Petito, but Report on some of these indigenous women, too. Like, why are their lives not as valued? So while we're also in the bad news section, one in 500 Americans have died of COVID. We did it, everybody. We did it. That was the goal, right? We were trying to make it so one in 500 Americans die of COVID. If so, we nailed it. We did it, everyone. So... I mean, it, it's absolutely, you get to a point with this coverage where it's like, I don't know what to say because <laughs> it's so bad. I hope you're all double vaccinated. If you're following like news coming out of Florida and Texas, it's fucking scary. You know, it, it feels like two years ago in New York again. ICU is completely overrun. They're out of beds. People dying of preventive. There was some poor kid who's, um, I think it was his appendix that burst in the emergency room because he was waiting so long for a doctor to see him and they were overwhelmed because of the ICU patients from COVID. This poor little fucking kid died waiting. And that's sadly not as rare as you would think. Um, so yeah, I hope you're all double vaccinated. If you have any relatives who are reluctant or hesitant to get the vaccine and you have the patience to do so, talk to them and just be like, you know, I got it. I feel fine. It would make me feel so much better if you got the vaccine because I love you and I want you to stick around. You know, sometimes it helps to, to be confronted in your real life and not just talk to a bunch of people who agree with you online. <laughs> you know, Sometimes it helps uh, for somebody to like shake you by the shoulders in real life and be like, wake up, dummy. This is reality. You know, on that note, on the note of shaking your relatives by the shoulders and saying, wake up, dummy. Here's your good news. <laughs> Well, speaking of COVID, 
Speaking of fuck yeah science, the COVID vaccine has been declared safe for kids ages 5 to 11. You know, obviously, this is according to Pfizer. I don't know if the FDA has had time to fully uh, declare it to be safe yet, but obviously, this is encouraging because this was also the first step for the regular vaccine for adults. Pfizer was like, it's safe. And the FDA was like, it's safe. I understand why they have to be cautious about giving the full stamp of approval for stuff like this, but highly encouraging because I know, you know, like I am child free, but I have many, many friends who have children and they were really scared about sending their kids back to school as well they should be. You know, the right loves to say like only old people die from COVID, which isn't true, but they completely leave out like immunocompromised kids where it's like they're really, really vulnerable to COVID. And it puts parents in an impossible decision where it's like, well, I either deprive them of the education and socializing that happens at schools Um, Because even if you homeschool your kid, it's not quite the same experience. You know, it doesn't have the socializing aspect. It's really unfair to parents because it's like, cool. Now, in addition to your job, your full-time job, you now have to be a teacher like wild. Who, Who has the time, resources, skills? Almost no one. So it puts them in this impossible decision where it's like, well, I either rob them of the experience of an education or I just roll the dice and I send them into a public school during a pandemic. A wild position to put parents in. So obviously, uh, having a vaccine for children ages 5 to 11 I'm sure would ease a lot of nerves for for many, many parents. So putting it in the good news section, in general, let's just say fuck yeah science in the good news section. I really don't feel like we have appreciated enough how fast the vaccine rollout happened. Obviously, there's been all sorts of hurdles and hiccups with people refusing to get it. But I mean, in terms of going from trials to vast distribution, If you are privileged enough to have gotten the vaccine and you live in a country where that is possible because it's it's a privileged thing to have, it happened remarkably fast because there had been all of these different variants of COVID and fuck yeah, scientists had been working on vaccines for so many years that they were boom, ready to go with this. So Obviously, I wish there was a more equal distribution of the vaccine. Poorer countries uh, were not able to get it, might not be able to get it for a long time. Or if they were able to get it, it wasn't enough dosages. So obviously, more needs to be done in that regard. But in terms of the scientists themselves kicking ass, we, we don't give them enough praise. We'll never be able to give them enough praise. So... I'm also going to put this in the good news section. That stupid recall was supposed to happen or was voted on in California where a bunch of Republicans got mad at Gavin Newsom because they hate immigrants. And they were like, hey, what if we just undermine democracy and recall this governor who was democratically elected? What if we just say fuck democracy and we just do a quick vote Um, They were basically hoping to catch Democrats flat-footed and rush this thing, and they were hoping that the left wouldn't get the word out fast enough and that they would be able to have a surprise 
defeat, you know? I Although I don't know how surprising it would have been because actually a lot of people were saying that it's very likely he might get recalled. But uh, it didn't happen. Newsom survived the first recall election in California in 18 years. Wild. Um, at one point, weeks before the election, he appeared to be in serious enough jeopardy that Democrats decided to dispatch Biden and Kamala Harris to campaign for him. So the Democrats were like, fuck, 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 fuck. Because, oh my God, what a bad look. What a dangerous precedent to set if Republicans saw that they could do it in California, they'd do it in every fucking state. Remember how they just like don't acknowledge elections while at the same time coming up with a total fantasy about the presidential election where they're like, no, Trump actually won. It's like, no, no, no. He did lose that objectively. And now someone who objectively did win, Governor Newsom, because he's a Democrat, they're like, no, that's not real. <laughs> what? Oh, boy. So, you know, regardless of how you feel about Gavin Newsom, we could spend all episode criticizing him. Regardless, it would have been a really dangerous precedent to set and would have emboldened Republicans in all 50 states to do the same thing. Because why should it stop in California, right? Like, why shouldn't you have a recall in any other state with a Democratic governor? After you see that, it's like, oh, shit, we can do like election 2.0 if we don't like the outcome. Fuck yeah, let's do it in every state. It's bullshit. Just you have to wait for the next election. I'm sorry you don't like the governor, but you fucking lost. Like, take the L. Be an adult. Stop crying every time you lose because the country's changing and you don't like it. They want to put tracking chips in immigrants because they're so fucking insane about immigration. And they see Newsom as being like this emblem of, of the Democrats who let in migrants. So you got to get rid of them. It's like that's what a regular election is for. If you don't like this guy, find a candidate you like, support them give them money, run them against him whenever the next election is. I don't even know. That's how democracy is supposed to work, right? You don't get to just throw out the results anytime you're unhappy. Although we're dealing with like rich white Californians. So they're used to getting their way. So that's probably part of the problem where they're like, wait a second. I don't like the leader. Who do I talk to? Where's his manager? I would like to speak to them. So also in good news, I don't know if it's good news, but I just wanted to shout them out for being very brave and inspiring. Um, so a bunch of very, very acclaimed um, popular gymnasts recently testified in the Larry Nasser case. Um Larry Nasser once again worked for USA Gymnastics, I believe. He was a, a sports doctor who for many, many, many years was sexually uh, assaulting and molesting young gymnasts who he would examine during um, medical examinations. And the gymnasts who were exploited by Larry Nasser included Simone Biles, Michaela Maroney, Maggie Nichols, and Allie Raisman. So like hugely, hugely popular gymnasts. So they got together and, and testified. They got to read 
I believe they're called victim impact statements in court uh, against Larry Nasser. And I thought this was really extraordinary. So, so Simone Biles uh, said it was not just Nasser who she blamed, but also an entire infrastructure that enabled and perpetrated his abuse. She said she had decided to compete in the Tokyo Summer Olympics in part because her presence on the team would not allow the crisis to go ignored. So she weighed that in her decision to compete in Tokyo because, like, let's be real, uh, I don't know if Simone wanted to be at that Olympics. It was a fucking weird Olympics to be at. It was during a pandemic. Uh, from what athletes said about the experience was that it was incredibly isolating. They didn't have their usual support system because of restrictions on like who's allowed to be around you and, you know, like guidelines for COVID. So they said it was very isolating. And then she was having problems with, um, you know, finding the floor and she had some really, really scary um, falls. And all of this was in her head, too. It was like the Larry Nasser stuff, knowing that she was going to have to speak about it. Uh, and then to also have that weight of like, the reason I'm participating in this is because um, I don't want you to ignore the crisis. Like having to deal with all of that at the same time is incredibly overwhelming. So with all that in in mind, I'm like, man, it's a miracle she performed as well as she did. You know, she came back for the all around. Um, she's just amazing. She's so amazing. And I really wanted to applaud all of the women who spoke out during the uh, Larry Nasser hearing. It was a hearing. I think I said trial before. But yeah, this was a Senate hearing. So they were just um, talking about the abuse in general. So I'm glad they got to do that. Um, and there's been a lot of criticism of the FBI's handling of all of this because as came to light during the trial and, you know, subsequent reporting on this issue, uh, the FBI knew what was going on. They had been contacted about Larry Nassar and USA Gymnastics and the allegations. And now the FBI is having to investigate the FBI, <laughs> And why it took so fucking long for them to do anything. Um, so, and this was part of what Allie Raisman was speaking out about during the hearing. She said it was 14 months after she reported her allegations that she finally got to speak to the FBI, despite her frequent requests for an interview. Uh, USA Gymnastics head Steve Penny arranged for the interview to take place at the Olympics Training Center, uh, where Raisman said she was under the constant or under the control and observation of USA Gymnastics and the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. She said the day of my interview, Steve Penny flew to the Olympic Training Center and he made sure I was aware he was there. She said she also had been pressured by the FBI to accept a plea deal that had been proposed by Nasser. Interesting. Interesting. Why is the FBI on the side of Larry Nasser? Why could that be? 
I don't know, but it's interesting. And I also don't know if we should have the FBI investigating the FBI about all of this. That seems like a conflict of interest. Um, so yeah, uh, applauding the women and saying to the FBI, what's up? What's up? Why are you so invested in defending someone like Larry Nasser? I find that interesting. I don't know. You know, I'm not implying anything. I don't think, but I find it unusual. You know, it's sort of like the people who are really invested in covering up for Epstein. It makes me think why. Why wouldn't you be on the side of the little girls who were abused by a grown man for years and years and years? Why would you pressure someone like Ali Raisman to take a plea deal? It's unusual, right? So again, applauding the women saying what the fuck to the FBI, as we should always say to the FBI, right? What the fuck? What the fuck? So on that note, everybody, that is this weekend's edition of Light Trees and News. Once again, we are a 100% listener-supported show. That's you. You have the power to keep the show going or to say, shut her down. So if you're in a position to do so, please go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. You can sign up at any tier you want. But I just like to let people know, for as little as $5 a month, you can keep the show going. Or if you're like, Allison, I don't want any of the perks. I don't need the bells. I don't need the whistles. Keep it simple. Lighttreason.news. You can become a member there as well. That's just if you're a good-hearted soul and you don't need any perks. It's real quick. $5 a month over there as well. So again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, Twitter is usually the best way. Hashtag LightTreasonPod, or you can tweet us directly, LightTreasonPod. I never mentioned this. We're also on SoundCloud. Uh, quite a few of you have started following over there. Thank you. I don't know. Is that a big deal? Do the kids like SoundCloud? We're over there. Instagram, all of that stuff. Also, I, your host, Allison Kilkenny, I am on these platforms as well. Instagram, uh, Twitter, it's just my name, at Allison Kilkenny. Give me a follow. I'm not as active as I used to be on the socials, mostly because I'm trying to have good, um, what do you call it, mental health. So I'm trying to fight with strangers on the internet 50% less these days, but I still see comments. I'll engage. I'm not above the people. So thank you once again. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And while you're at it, if you're double vaccinated and you're wearing a mask inside, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>